You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we finally hear from Matt LaFleur, from new defensive coordinator Joe Barry, and from GM Brian Gutekunst on what's going on with the Packers this offseason. What is the defense going to look like? How much do they feel like they can do in free agency? All of that stuff. And we are going to focus on the Joe Barry side of this. This is the first time since the hiring was made that we heard from Coach LaFleur on the hiring. The first time we've heard from Coach Barry. And we even got to hear from Brian Gutekunst about how he thinks this could affect the team moving forward. And, and he even, I think, broke a little news about Preston Smith's future with this team that plenty of Packer fans are going to be disappointed about. Let's start with Matt LaFleur and Joe Barry. So so LaFleur spoke first via Zoom. And, you know, he, he answered all the questions about you know, what the mindset was and the reasons and all this stuff, right? So I, I think there were some there were some fundamental questions that we needed to get answered from Matt LaFleur, and he answered them. So was it that Brandon Staley influence? And if it was, how much of that played a role in the decision to hire Joe Barry? Here's what Matt said. Yeah, I think first and foremost, it, it, it is a pretty multiple scheme. It was one of the more difficult schemes to to scheme against as, as we were getting prepared for that game. Um, but I think all great coaches, you've got to be able to adapt to your personnel and, and put guys in the right positions in order to have success. And I think it's it's multiple enough for, uh, you know, for us to do that. Okay, now the obvious questions that are going to come are about his past. In Detroit, in Washington, they didn't have a lot of success. So what makes LaFleur think it will be different now? He addressed that. Yeah, I think just knowing a little bit about those previous situations, obviously I was in Washington prior to his arrival there. So, um, And then just you know going through the process, I think – as coaches, you're always growing, you're learning. Um, you know, I've, I got a chance to work with Joe in LA. I know what type of communicator, I know the energy he brings. Um, and then I think, you know, he's, he's learned a lot from those previous experiences. And I don't think he's, he, he'd ever hide from those. I think, you know, the bottom line is we are going to get judged on what we do moving forward and, and not from our past experiences. And, um, you know, we understand what's at stake each and every week when we go out there on the field, we we've got to perform. And, um, but I just felt really comfortable with, again, the person, his ability to communicate the energy he's going to bring the scheme that, that he's bringing with him, um, in order to, to get the most out of our, out of our players. 
And Joe Barry didn't shy away from questions about his past either. In fact, he embraced them and embraced those experiences of failure. I'm, I'm really proud of my scars. I really am. And I think that in life, I think that you're hardened in life by tough experiences. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I think you, you can learn a lot from, you know, having success and, and, and being, you know, in a good place. But I think when, when true growth takes place, um, I think it's when things are really, really hard. You know, I think it's when, and I, and I'm not talking football. I, I talk to my kids about this all the time. I don't, I don't want things to be easy for them. You know, I want it to be challenging. I want it to be tough. Cause again, like I said, I think, I think that's when, when true growth takes place. So, um, and, and, you know, I've had, a ton of success. You know, I've, I've won Super Bowls. I've coached in Super Bowls. I've won, uh, you know, uh, division championships. But I think if you're just like anything in life, if, if you do something long enough, you're going to experience the highest of highs and you're also going to experience the lowest of lows. And I think the number one thing, when you do experience those lows, when you do get those scars, shoot, if you learn from it and, and you grow from it and you expand, then, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to wear sleeves and cover them up. You know, you can wear them and say, Hey, yeah, that, that, that was a, that was a tough experience. That was brutal. That one hurt, you know, but I learned from it. I got better. Uh, I grew and, uh, you know, I would hope to think that, you know, 36, 37 year old Joe Barry is a lot different than 50 year old Joe Barry. So, okay. So we have to ask the question flat out, what philosophy, what schematic approach is Joe Barry going to bring to the Green Bay Packers? Because he's been in myriad systems and he, for his part, embraces all of them and says, look, I've evolved as a coach and I can bring a little bit of all of those flavors, but just because I was in a system doesn't mean that's the system that I want to run. You know, you, you guys have to understand that, um, you know, it's kind of like years ago when there were so many people that came from the, the West coast offense tree, you know, and there was Mike Holmgren and there was Andy Reid and there was John Gruden and there was, uh, you know, Mike Shanahan. Well, all those guys came from the same exact tree, the West coast offense, but they all kind of put their own stamp onto everything. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be around, you know, I was a four, three guy, um, for a long time. I, I was a Tampa two guy for a long time, you know, cause, uh, you know, getting hired by Tony Dungy and then coach Gruden came in and, and kept our staff intact, um, in Tampa. Um, and then I kind of, I, I, I changed gears and I jumped to three, four and I worked in Wade's system as a, as a three, four coach. And then working with Brandon Staley last year. And I, I really wouldn't call it, um, you know, Brandon had come from Vic. Um, but I, I really would, would call it more, you know, the, the stamp that I got put on me, um, as of late is I'd really say that's Brandon Staley's system. Um, so with all that guys, I, I think it's, it's a benefit to me because I I've been able to be a part of so many different defenses and so many different philosophies. And I formulated my own, you know, this is going to be, you know, our system, our package, the green, the 2000, 2021, uh, green Bay Packers system. But I, th I think it's been very neat that I've been able to see 
a lot of football through different lenses based on the people I've worked for and the people that I've worked with. All right. So what is the defense going to look like? What is it going to prioritize? How is it going to be different from the defenses that let this team down in big spots year after year after year? At the end of the day, guys, and, and stuff that we're going to preach here, I'm not, I'm not going to make a bunch of promises or bold predictions, but defensive football bottom line is about guys killing blocks and getting off blocks. It's about tackling. It's about taking the ball away. Uh, it's about playing with re- not effort, but relentless effort. And um, those are things that we're going to do here. And really, it doesn't matter. Those things, it doesn't matter if you're 4-3, if you're 3-4, if you're Tony Dungy, if you're Vic Fangio, it doesn't matter. So what does all of this mean? What does all of this mean for the Packers moving forward? That is a question that we still do not have a good answer to, and it is something that we are going to try and unpack as we move forward here next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Baseball is happening right now. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV, reality TV, all that good stuff. Bet Online has you covered for all of it. And right now, when you go to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive a 50% deposit bonus when you use the promo code Locked On, that's what you get for being a Locked On listener. Just for putting that promo code in, they will match your first deposit up to 50%. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, two top teams in the NBA's West battle it out before the All-Star break. Will the Suns and Lakers meet again in the West Finals? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. We got some of the answers from Joe Barry about his his philosophy for 334 he did say something interesting and, and he, you know, sort of dismissed the notion of the differences between the four, three and the three, four saying, you know, you're going to be in sub package 80% of the time. In other words, you're never going to have three down linemen and four true linebackers, or at least you're probably only going to do that 20% of the time. Now, what we don't know is, okay, who are you going to take off the field? Because at times Mike Patton would take off an interior defensive lineman. At times, he would take out a linebacker and put in that nickel corner. Now, what we do know is Barry also said that he wants as many guys who can play that nickel as possible. Darnell Savage can do it a little bit. Jair Alexander can do it a little bit. What do they think of Chan and Sullivan? He is a restricted free agent. I don't think Green Bay is going to give him anything better than his original round tender. And if someone else wants to sign him, they will bid him adieu. Now, that leaves plenty of questions about how they attack this secondary. Barry also said, you know, the the things that are the keys, pass rush and coverage, your DBs and your front. Conspicuously absent was the discussion about linebacker. And he did, in fact, at one point go into a discussion about linebackers, but not when he was talking about his philosophy and not when he was talking about the fronts or the scheme. He was asked by Match Nyman at the Athletic specifically about linebackers and and then went into you know what he thinks is important about linebackers. What I took away from this whole discussion is he is going to have a philosophically similar approach 
to Mike Patton in that he is going to focus heavily on the passing game. He's going to focus on pressure and coverage. Pressure and coverage. That is the modern way to look at things. And then try and borrow some advantages in the run game with some unique things. That's what Brandon Staley was so good at doing last year with the Rams. You steal gaps, you play fast, and you you play disciplined. And you get guys who can tackle. You get guys who can play in a multitude of different areas. It's worth wondering what Darnell Savage's best fit is in this defense. Is it in that nickel spot? Well, if they were going to play more man coverage, I would say maybe it is. The problem is, if this is going to be a heavy zone team, and we expect it's going to be 80-plus percent zone, then if he's the nickel, the nickel responsibility in cover three, cover four is usually, you know, flat responsibilities, hook zones, it's stuff like that. It's not that robber middle of the field role where he was so good last year. Now, I think Savage can play a number of different places on the field. But to take him away from that spot, I think, is removing an element that makes him really, really good. Now, if he is a safety who can play nickel, then I think you have an, a, a good idea there. I don't want Savage to be the full-time nickelback. I just don't think that's the best way to use his talents. But they could slide Jair Alexander inside. They could slide Savage down. And so that leaves a lot of op- uh, you know openings for how they want to handle this defensive back search. Do you want to add a safety who can play deep more to free up Savage to come down and play more in the box, play more slot? Maybe. Do you want to take um, a, a safety nickel hybrid? You know, there are a couple in this draft, guys, who can do a little bit of both, who can play in the slot, who can play deep. I think that is certainly going to have some appeal to the Packers, and maybe they are a little bit more forgiving with their size restraints as a result. You know, someone like Antoine Winfield Jr. last year would have been the perfect guy to do something like that. Or will they focus more on the outside, knowing that you can slide Jair into the slot? I think that's something that I would like to see him do a little bit more often. Joe Barry wants a lot of guys to be able to do that. You want that flexibility. So maybe you need to add, forget the slot, forget worrying about the slot. You can just put whoever in the slot if, number one, you have guys who can do it. And I think the Packers already have a couple guys who can do it. And number two, if you have great outside corners. So you sign a boundary corner and you draft a boundary corner. Now you can slide 23 into the slot, especially in games where you're playing someone who their best guy is going to be in the slot a lot. Or you are... You know, you can play, you know, remember Casey Hayward a couple years ago. This is now many years ago. When Demarius Randall was a rookie, Casey Hayward was the start, the starting boundary corner. He played on the outside. And then in nickel, Randall played on the outside and Casey Hayward moved into that slot role. I think you could see Jair do that or... They could draft someone like Asante Samuel Jr., who maybe he isn't the starting boundary corner, but when he comes into the game, you slide 
Jair into the slot. You could also do that with a bigger corner. You know, these guys like Greg Newsom II, Stokes, Campbell, all these guys are, are big and tall. Not necessarily uh, shopping at the store, but they are big and tall. You know, Tyson Campbell from Georgia. Eric Stokes from Georgia, Kelvin Joseph. These guys are all 6'1", 6'2", 6'3". So let's say you sign someone, doesn't matter who, free agent X, cheap free agent X. You get one of these guys. Okay, maybe you could just slide Jair right into the slot. And and depending on who's in there, you know, you face a team with a tight end who can move. And, and they're in the slot a bunch. Well, Shannon Sullivan was not the perfect guy to do that. Well, if you draft a bigger corner who can play there, hey, now you got something. If you have a tight end across from you that that is going to do that, maybe you just say, hey, Darnell Savage, you got this guy now. And I thought using him more in man against tight ends was a great way to mitigate what has been issues for this team from time immemorial with defending tight ends. I think defensive back is going to be a heavy focus here. My guess is they're going to they're going to take a corner early, they're going to take a safety at some point. And I I mean I still like Vernon Scott a little bit. I still like Raven Green a little bit, but those guys are not high upside guys. They're not pedigreed guys and that's not everything of course. You know, you can find the Sam Shields, you can find the Tremont Williams defensive backs. But maybe you want to make an investment in that if that's going to be an important part of your defense. And, you know, it's not to say that they couldn't stand to improve some of these other spots. You know, it's not to say that they couldn't add talent at linebacker. I mean, there there is certainly a close reading of what Barry was talking about with instincts and and saying, oh, well, he just doesn't think Chris Barnes and, and Kamel Martin are instinctive enough. You know, you can't teach that, he said. So he may have just gone into full teacher mode, or maybe there's something real there, and, and they think that they can upgrade in this draft with a guy like Zayvon Collins and Nick Bolton. We're going to have a much longer discussion about these guys um, tomorrow. Eric Edholm from Yahoo is going to be on the show to talk some NFL draft, and, and I'm really looking forward to that conversation. Um, it, it does seem like they're going to prioritize pass rush, and they're going to play. I mean, you heard you heard Barry. Effort. Effort, effort, tackle, discipline. And and for whatever else you can say about his defenses, they have always played, the, the linebackers especially have played disciplined and they've been prepared and that's what you hear about him. So if they're able to get the talent in here and Brian Gutekunst has done an excellent job of putting together talent on this defense, you get that cornerback spot, that, that boundary corner opposite Jair locked down. I think that gives them a lot of options about how they can they can handle nickels. If they are going to slide Jair in there, though, then really now you need two boundary corners. And I'm, I have not given up on Josh Jackson. I'd like to see him go out and get a chance to compete for a job. Maybe this being all the same coaches is not great for that, but maybe another year with Jerry Gray is exactly what he needs to go out and be that guy. I, I do think... Um, what we heard from Brian Gutekunst in terms of the salary cap and um, their ability to make moves and what they're going to do with Preston Smith all is relevant to this discussion. And we're going to talk about that right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends 
at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. And it is the protein bar that tastes truly like a candy bar, especially that coconut brownie. Oh my God. That thing is unbelievable, certified, delicious, but it's not the only flavor. The German chocolate, the salted caramel, the double chocolate, the toffee almonds, they're they're really, really terrific. All covered in 100% chocolate, but not going to break your calorie count for the day. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. So they're actually solid foodstuffs for your body. Go to BillPro.com and use promo code LOCKDOWN20. New promo code LOCKDOWN20 to get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKDOWN20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Two things that I think are important from what Brian Gutekinst said in his press conference yesterday. The first is, he said he expects Preston Smith to be back. A couple years ago, after a disappointing 2018 season, we all expected Jimmy Graham to be a cut, whether it was you know, a, a right-away cut or a June 1 cut. And there were reasons to think you know, it was, it was going to be one or, or the other, whatever it is. And, and in fact, we talked about it on the show. I made the case in print. Then Brian Gutekinst came out around this time and said, no, I expect Jimmy Graham to be back. We're excited about him. He's a big part of what we want to do. And guess what? That was not lip service. Jimmy Graham was back, and he was a big part of the offense. And he wasn't very good, but he was back and, and part of the offense. This is significant, okay? Because it's $8 million that they're going to have to pay that they would not have to pay if they cut him now. And it's more, $12 million if you eschew the June 1. The June 1, and they, they, look, they can still do it. The circumstances, and I was I was talking with Andy Herman about this on Twitter yesterday, the circumstances are actually very similar to the, the Jimmy Graham situation. Jimmy Graham was signed in Mike McCarthy's final season. He has a disappointing year. You have a new coach comes in, a guy whose offense caters to the tight end, who can, who can create all kinds of opportunities for the tight end. And you can see the logic to, hey, let's give him one more, one more chance. We, we've invested the money. Let's see what he can do with this offense. And it turned out not a lot. Turned out um, actively hurt the team is actually what he can do. This, this situation, you've got Joe Barry comes in, has coached Preston Smith before, has a relationship with Preston Smith, and has a relationship with Kirk Olavadotti, who was in Washington as well. And presumably, if this is the case, that they're going to keep Preston Smith, Joe Barry's going, no, I'd love the chance to coach him. I'd love the chance to try and maximize his gifts because we saw him. And it's different than Jimmy Graham in this way. We saw him in 2019 be an impactful player. Now, the sack numbers were not as reflective as, as of his productivity as the pressure numbers were. You know, he, he got a little lucky with some of the, the, the sacks, converting a high percentage of them, um, you know, high percentage of his pressures into sacks. But he's consistently been a, a six, seven, eight plus sack guy, you know, 10 11, 12, those aren't crazy numbers for him. You get you get a couple more free rushers or you get, you know, a, a split second here, a split second there extra. And that can be a couple more sacks for you. It's not that Preston Smith 
can't be a good player. We saw in the second half of the season, he had some really good games, some impactful moments. In fact, when they started to put Rashawn Gary on the field over him, all of a sudden that lit a fire under him. And I don't think it can be understated that the fans were a part of the, the, the Smith brothers malaise from the 2020 season. They fed off that energy. They fed off each other's energy. And they didn't, they didn't come in with the same sort of gusto that we saw in 2019. If you could recreate that, you have a player who can still help you. The, the, the pass rush that they can put on the field is terrific. It also means not having to go into the draft and say, yeah, edge is a need. If they're going to keep Preston Smith, they're in a pretty good place, at least with their edge rush. And, you know, maybe he's only on the team one more year. And then you give Rashawn Gary the, the reins. It, it would be, I think, a little frustrating to go into year three with Rashawn Gary and not have a, a, a bigger role for him. And maybe they they use Zadarius Smith more inside. Rashawn Gary was better last year than Preston Smith. So you'd like to reward him with those snaps. But with the money, can they really do that? Being paid to the Smiths, it becomes difficult. I, I don't think the move is to keep Preston Smith. But if they're not going to spend the money, there's no need to cut him. And this is the last part of this. Brian Gutekind said, we think if there's a guy out there that we really think can help our football team, we can make it work. And, you know, we've we've talked about it on this show. You can make anything work in year one. And, and Goody said they've approached a number of guys about some restructures and, and maybe advancing some bonuses and presumably, you know, extensions. Guys like Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Rodgers, those are options. It can be the case that the Packers, you know, you just get under the cap with some restructures here and, and an extension there and you get under the cap. They're not signing J.J. Watt. And so they only need to be, you know, at even when free agency starts, they can create the money. They can create the money if they want to sign someone. They don't have to sign someone. And so if the numbers aren't there, if they don't make sense, if the market gets out of control, you know, the house, the housing market right now, there's just no inventory. The houses are not there to buy. And so the houses that are there to buy the prices go way up. And I think that's that might be what happens here for some of these guys. You know, there's only so many at some of these positions. Now, receiver, there's a bunch of guys. But, you know, there's like two, maybe three corners worth worth signing. Now, the Packers, they present a very appealing option. Hey, come try and win a Super Bowl. So, yeah, if the option is, hey, can we sign Richard Sherman? Well, no, not if we don't cut Preston Smith. Then you cut Preston Smith. And you bring in Richard Sherman and you say, hey, look, you know, we, we didn't know we would be in this position and it's just one of those things. And we just had to do it because of the money. I think you can you can be honest as Brian Gutekind and say, look, we expected him to be back. We didn't know if we were going to have the opportunity to get Richard Sherman. We did. And so we had to make the money work and you approach it that way. And then, you know, you, you see how the draft shakes out because maybe they're able to get a, uh, you know, a Greg Rousseau. Or, you know, some of these, this is a, a, an unremarkable edge class at the top, but a deep group. You know, there are guys that I'm seeing mocked in the first round that are also being mocked in the second and third round. 
you know, there, there are a lot of guys who are, are going to go in, in weird, in, in you know, like late second, late third, who are going to end up being really good. And we're going to go, wait, what? It's just that kind of class and, and that kind of year. So maybe they get someone that they love. You know, they get a, a first round grade on someone and they get them at 62. Well, then you can save that money. You know, you didn't you didn't sign anything. You know, you didn't do anything spectacular. Um, you know, a million here, a million there. And you were in an okay position. And now it's just like, well, now it's time to cut Preston Smith because the money just doesn't make sense anymore. They can still do it. Now, it seems like they're planning to have him. So if they're planning to have him, we need to plan accordingly. And in some ways, luckily, that means you're removing edge from at least the top of the priorities. You always want to, to add pass rushes if you can. But in terms of what they need to do on the edge, I think we can we can start to lower that down on the totem pole a little bit. Target that corner. Try and go get that Richard Sherman. Try and go get that Patrick Peterson. And if you can't, hey, no worries. You still have a very good team that you're bringing back. All right, Eric at home tomorrow from Yahoo Sports is here to talk NFL draft. We will talk about some of these players, talk about options for uh, the Packers at 29 and, and the rest of their draft. So we will get into that more tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.